You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Impact Dynamics. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. My name is Rusty and I am joined by an absolute motley crew tonight for episode number 113. Joining me tonight... Uh, is the only person to have broken into song on the Precision Shooting Podcast. Uh, to my right, Dutchie, how are you? I am well. Welcome back. Any Thank song, you. Any songs tonight? Uh, I was going to try and bust into a bit of Willie Nelson, but, okay. you know, I've got nothing planned. <laughs> I mean... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, well, we'll see what that holds uh, for us. Uh, also got the man who uh, made his podcast debut in front of a live audience and most importantly, live to tell the tale. Andy, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Rusty. Excellent, mate. Uh, we you, you shot the PRS the other week. We'll talk about that shortly. Yeah, cool. And also, sitting across from me, he's spent more time in New Zealand recently than uh, the vegan protesters have spent earning a living. Bronte, how you going? Yeah, very well. And yourself, Rusty? Going all right, mate. Going all right. You shot a comp on the weekend. Yes, the first one in quite some time. So it was yeah, good it to get back in the saddle, so to speak. That doesn't happen very often. Uh, yeah. A bit of a rare occurrence these days. Very good. Does you last time you went shooting, mate? <laughs> uh, it's, I believe, still the same one as the last one I mentioned on my previous appearance. So I've been, okay. I've been busy. Yeah. You know, shooting. Yeah. Yeah. Avoiding it. I've organised my um, ammunition box. I've colour coded everything now. Oh, good. Yeah. It was a good way. OCD all the way. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing, uh, amazing what you can do when you are not shooting and uh, spending time organising. Excellent. And Andy. Did you? I don't even remember if we saw you on the weekend. Uh, no, no, I wasn't up there last weekend. No, yeah, not not shooting on the weekend. But Bronte and I shot comps. And yep. I shot Saturday a rimfire comp in our club, and uh, Bronte shot on Sunday. We should we should say uh, three of us, and soon to be four of us, are all members of the same club, uh, which uh, means we, we we often shoot together, or at least watch each other shoot. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's good. Good opportunity for the guys here at SA to be able to get together and mm. shoot on a pretty regular basis because obviously finding places to shoot is always a challenge um, yep. unless you sort of know someone or have your own land, you know, especially for the style of shooting we all enjoy. It's it's difficult yeah. to find places. Well, actually, I met a guy today. I went and picked up a hire car, uh, which is uh, an entirely another story, which we probably won't get into, but we may do. And uh, I was chatting to the guy and he, he ate sort of the company name that I, I hired under and he went, to do with guns? I've said, absolutely it is, of course. Anyway, we started talking about it and he's like, oh, do you know any, anywhere to go trap shooting? I'm like, yeah, trap shooting is kind of cool, you know. If you, it's like, it was 1990, but what you want to do is practical rifle stuff. And uh, and he was, I, I played him a video of um, Jim from Low Viz uh, running a tripod stage in uh, in at the PRS in Mildura. And he's like, yeah, I'd like to try that. That's that looks awesome. I'll uh, yep. so I'm gonna when I drop the car back off, I'm gonna drop him some details of the club. Uh, nice one. We had, we're talking about practical shooting SA, by the way. Uh, and yeah, so how was that uh, Senate fire comp for you, Ronnie, on the weekend? It was good fun. It was good fun. Yeah, as I said, it's the first time I've shot in a, a match for a, quite some time. Um, definitely a bit rusty. Uh, pardon the pun. Mm-hmm. Um, well done. Well played. Yeah, you gotta sleep one in there every now and then. Um, <laughs> Bit slower than I used to be, but it's one of those things. I think just a bit more regular occurrences, a bit more time on the bolt, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll remember what he used to do. Yeah, back in the day. Back in the day. Good. Uh, well, I, I had a um, 
I shot rimfire and I had a fair, I think I finished fourth out of, I don't know, 12, 15 of us. I don't remember how it wasn't, there wasn't a huge amount. There's usually a lot more for rimfire one, but I was pretty happy with the guys that got beaten by. Uh, they had pretty good shooters. So their guys are usually are sitting up the pointy end anyway. So no, no problems losing to those guys. And I had a bit of an average day on a couple of stages where, because I was, uh, I was squad mumming it as well. And so, uh, and I was, I was, we were in small squads, which threw me, which I like, but uh, it threw me because, you know, you'd go, all right, we've, uh, you know, I'm up in uh, a couple of shooters. Oh, no, wait, no, I'm on now. Right, I thought I'd have a few more shooters to get ready. But anyway, it was, uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, good, good course of fire. It was good fun. Um, all sorts of interesting stuff, trying to shoot off pallets. Oh, the first pallet you could only be touching the gun on, and the second pallet, stage brief, said you may only be touching the shooter on it. It didn't say you had to be on it, so uh, shot prone, my elbow on it, and, uh, <laughs> and looked nice, at the match nice. director and said, "You might just want to tighten up your stage briefs a little bit." But mm. anyway, that's uh, <laughs> that's good fun. So, and and then from there on in, I think everyone shot prone after that one. <laughs> it's always the first that's guy right. that everyone looks at and goes, "Yeah, shit, why did I think of that?" <laughs> just for the um, uneducated, mm. what is a squad mum? A squad mum. A squad mum is. Someone who looks after the squad, who will give them their stage briefs. In a smaller competition, you won't necessarily have ROs and stage officers who are running everything for you. In a smaller smaller crew where everyone wants to be able to shoot, your squad mums are sort of designated guys who have been doing it a bit, and they will you know, they'll sort of coordinate spotting and stage briefs and just make sure everyone's cycled through. But generally they'll also shoot themselves. You try to be a bit more organised and like a couple of uh, – you usually try and have two squad mums in a squad and then that way like – Andy, you and I were squad mums last yeah, time yeah, around. I, I helped out with scoring and a bit of spotting yep. um, while I think you shot and someone else Yeah, like and, I rode. Yeah. yeah, Nick I think did yeah. actually in our squad. But just just means you share all the, the responsibilities around a bit and you get other people to do it. So uh, why is it squad mumming? Um, I don't know. That's what the, the – the crew that we shot with in the US or several crews in the US we shot with call it squad mums rather than squad. I guess squad dads would probably be off doing some project somewhere else or something. <laughs> don't know. So is there varying degrees of squad mum, like squad helicopter mum, squad yep. tiger mum? Yes. Yes, all these things are a uh, uh, terminology we use in PRS. I reckon the uh, helicopter squad mum would be the one that just walks around pointing fingers. Just uh, <laughs> delegating. Is that the helicopter one? Uh, no, I think it just just hovers around and bees annoying. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so like Nick. <laughs> so I was waiting, waiting for a name to get dropped there. I was going to call Nick the Hurricane Squad Mum, but oh, that too. Yeah, there's good just stiff competition on that one. Yep, I reckon I'll be the Lightning Squad Mum that uh, never hits the same t- place twice. Go with that. Yeah, no, that, that's, <laughs> that, that's the winner. That's yeah. the winner. <laughs> any, any other Squad Mum types? Not that I'm willing to say while I'm being recorded. We can edit it. <laughs> but we won't. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Well, speaking of squad mums, did any of you guys get done for April Fool's in the shooting industry? How's that new 7.6 Creedmoor going that you bought, Dutchie? Uh, I'm, I'm still waiting for the dies. I, <laughs> I spoke to Hornady and they said, oh, my God, like, like why? <laughs> What are you doing? And I said, no, nah, I want it. I really want it. And yeah. I'm, now I'm trying to get a petition going for the 762 Creed. No, was it 7.6 Creed? I'm, I'm glad you're, you're, you're on the ball with it. Yeah, no, well, if they, the they're going to release it, like, yeah. there's people who are interested. I'm sure <laughs> I can tell lots of them. From the comments, there was a lot of people who were interested and, uh, and a lot of people against it. Have they started making the high BC projectiles for those yet? 
Uh, yeah, definitely. definitely. I mean, all projectiles are high BC if you put them in backwards. Well, you know, yeah, there's 155, so they could, <laughs> they could be pretty pretty well up there. Yeah, they, 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 that was Burger, wasn't it? Was it making 155s? Yeah, I think there's a few people. Yeah, okay. No, haven't seen them yet. Got a whole stack of 147 was, was ELDs in the uh, projectile warehouse, just putting it out there. Thanks I was more concerned if it was a large rifle primer or a small one. I was concerned about pressure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you look like a kind of guy who's concerned about pressure. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like like I said, if anyone's keen to jump on board this petition to get them to actually release them, <laughs> uh, I'll I'll probably send you a link. Never. Good. Good. I, I can't wait. Set the – hey, Siri, set a reminder for never. Set your own reminder. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well, we'll move on from that then. Yeah, 762 uh, – no, 7 – I can't remember what it was. 7.6 Creedmoor. Got a lot of people. It was good. Uh, you guys have all got Cobras on your scopes now, I assume, as well? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty keen to get one. <laughs> yeah. Which is basically Siri for a scope. Yeah. Yeah. I hopefully saw that from Vortex. Any other ones that you guys saw? Nods don't work on, on <laughs> podcasts there, Andy. <laughs> you can't shake your head and, uh, and have people know what it's you're talking about. more of a about. visual cue <laughs> yeah. straight to you. Yeah, yeah. you're right. It's, uh, it's a little bit more visual. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. Was that um, an April Fool's? <laughs> nodding your head. No, not nodding your head. The creed. The, the creed. <laughs> yeah. This, this is that moment where he <laughs> discovers that it was a, it was a joke. Is that, why, is, is that why they were saying check the date, dude? Yeah, check the date. What's the date on that one? What's the date? Yeah, what's yeah. the date? Yeah. Oh. And then you're in Australia going 2nd of April. What's, yeah, what's 2nd of April. <laughs> Give me that creed. Give me that creed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Damn Good. Time zone. Mm. Did you um see anything from the was it American Rifle Series? That the... um. Can imagine them putting something up. Yeah, I don't remember if they did something specifically for um, uh, for that. I mean, we can check it out. I mean, I think they're at like an April Fool's every day of the week. That's, yeah, yep. I'm not sure they limit themselves to one day a year. <laughs> Maybe it's, they do it in reverse. Maybe they're actually probably, serious on April the first. Well, let's see what what they put up on April first and see if it's actually uh, probably a legit post. And and everyone just laughed at it and they they're sitting in their uh, corner crying about it. No, they didn't post, which, uh, you know, well played, oh, right. ARS. Well played to not post on the day that everyone thinks you should. <laughs> or maybe do something serious and, and it's probably a cry for help. Anyway. Dutchie, have you you seem to be working on projects recently. Yes, I have. That, that we haven't been updating listeners on, but we, we intend to update listeners on some of the projects of you, of, of you that you're working on, is what I mean to say. It's a personal project. I've been working on myself for a while. <laughs> Good. How are you coming along? Not very well. <laughs> At least you're just honest. seems to reject everything I do to it. Your honesty is uh, is right up there, though. I'll give you that. It's because you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what uh, what gun related projects have you been working on or project? Give us one. I have, have got been all night. Hurry up. Restoring a twenty two. Uh, it's a nineteen sixties model Creco. Um, someone did some checkering with a. Uh, uh, a shovel of some description <laughs> by the look of it. I think it was about, <laughs> I don't know. What are they measured in? Threads per inch or checkerings per inch? <laughs> Let's go with I checkerings per inch. But it's like 20 or 30 on a good rifle. This is about four. So I've been um, <laughs> touching the rifle up and inlaying some uh, walnut on it. So okay, that's, that's been my project. It's Wow. It's coming along. It's in its early stages at the moment. Yeah, nice. 
we, we might have to get a photo up of that somewhere because I, I saw it a few weeks ago and it looked uh, looked like you've been busy. I have been busy. It's it's taken a lot of a lot of hours um, mm. that I probably should have spent doing something more constructive, like going shooting, perhaps. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't have my twenty two. See, that's the catch. And I see your point. I see dare your I say a catch twenty two? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I thought I, I would have at yeah, least sorry, deserved yeah. it. I, I, I hit the wrong button. I'm sorry. I went to go with this one. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. No, I don't want to talk anymore. You can, <laughs> you can jam your interview. <laughs> I didn't realize there was an interview. <laughs> All good. Cool. So, how long, what have you got left to do in that process? Uh,. Clearly still researching the topic at present. Yeah, there's a lot of research into it. Okay. Um, I'm learning about tropical woods, mm-hmm. um, the effects of carbon in the air on those woods. It's, you see, I really just wow. branched out and got off topic yep. on a tangent. Good. Uh, and now I'm looking at the properties of ABS plastic. Okay. <laughs> That's, uh, you've, you've definitely moved on. Definitely moved on from the timber. Oh, the timber. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess I've moved on to the point of now do I use a oil stain or a is it veneer? I don't know because what's some whoever had done the stock before had um, oh, it's committed some gunsmithing crimes, I believe. <laughs> oh, we know a few people like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really uh, just trying to get it back to a stage where I can make it look something decent. Mm. Um, and really bring out the the grain in this timber that I've put on there. Um, but the, the stock design you were going for, at least certainly last time I saw it, was quite a like a chunky forearm, chunky grip. Yes, uh, yeah, very different to a, what what it would have been. Well, it originally. Had, originally had a hunter um, profile. Yeah, I suppose you would say with a fairly thin forearm and a thin palm swell, and I've yeah probably oh, more palmless swell. Yeah, palm palm. Concave, palm oil, I don't know. What are we going <laughs> to <laughs> Palm tree, palm, palm nut. Uh, tree's generous. We, oh, yeah, no, we could Palm tweak. Yeah. No, I've, uh, it's probably twice the thickness it was now at the fore end and at the, yep. um, at the palm, more of a target uh, design, I suppose. It was mm. uh, modelled off a few um, few different stocks, I suppose. Okay. Uh, stock designs. Uh, T4 manners. Yeah, right. Yeah, I uh, owned one of those for another rifle and had a look at that and took a f- well, took a few of their ideas of having a wider forend. And I'm not sure you're allowed to admit that, but anyway, that's all right. It's not for commercial sale. <laughs> it doesn't, okay. doesn't matter. And when, and when they see how poorly executed it's been, they'll just be like, "This has got nothing to do with us." They'll clearly. be like, "Send it to us. We'll fix it." <laughs> well, no, I, I, I like my uniquely poorly styled stuff. <laughs> Good. Um, Okay. No, that's just ba- basically uh, looks nothing like a T4. Good. Um, is it just the stock you're working on or is it part of the, the barrel? Well, it, it's the... part of an overall restoration. I'd re- re-blew it as well. Um, going all out. Yeah, going all out. So what's the uh, end game? What's the intended purpose of it? Win everything to work. That's well, <laughs> always a good start. That's always a good start. But you, I, like, I like how we've answered Andy because we've – Got no, nothing in the game. <laughs> That's all yours, mate. Sorry, we've got. Uh, the, the end game is to get rid of the checkering attempt. So is it mm. you know what are you setting it up for a particular purpose or is it just 
a project because you know projects are fun. I, I I really set it up just to get rid of the checkering. I was <laughs> I, I was embarrassed to pull it out of the gun bag in front of people. I'm like, this, I didn't do this checkering, by the way, but people wouldn't even ask. I'd, I'd, I'd offer. So, yeah, just, I'm pretty sure he did that with his knife at home. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just silently judging you. Oh, well, they should stop being silent because yeah. I, I love retorts. <laughs> oh, speaking of retorts, um, that's a really bad segue into our Patreon supporters. Um, so, sorry. Sorry, Patreon supporters. But a massive thanks to them because uh, over the effectively what was a bit of a break for us, although we did have a few episodes in the US and there is more to come, uh, we have had our Patreon supporters continue. So thanks heaps. Uh, one of the things that you've contributed to is our new, our brand new mixing desk, our road. I think it's called a roadcaster. Although how do you say road, Dutchie? Well, if it's got a line through the O, doesn't it sound different? Well, I don't know. I'm asking you. How is it said? I don't know. I'm not. Okay. I'm not right. Scandinavian, but I would assume <laughs> it would be rude. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> rude uh, mixing desk, which is uh, which is wonderful and makes certainly uh, things a little bit easier, and, and has these buttons which we promise we won't overuse. <laughs> um, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I, I promise. I promise we won't overuse them. Okay, no, we definitely will overuse them. But we're going to be able to put other stuff and bits and pieces on there. And uh, Just, just for the listeners at home, that the the buttons are away from the three of us and Rusty has got a monopoly <laughs> I've on got them. got complete control over these. Um, and uh, definitely when, uh, when we bust out some jokes, we can uh, get some good responses. That's not the one I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're looking for dum-dum-dum. I was, I was going to go with crickets, but <laughs> what is this one? Oh, we can we can. So speaking of uh, speaking of that, um, I wasn't that at the start of my project. <laughs> so I hear you doing a project. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, we uh, we had the PRS up in Mildura. Andy, take us back. Well, once upon a time. <laughs> no, no. Okay, quite seriously, we will not be using the effects. <laughs> I'm just like a kid in a candy store tonight with uh, with all these. Glowing buttons. I mean, I'll put a photo up of these damn buttons, but they just, they're just they very attractive. And you can change the color of the buttons really easily as well. This is this is such a, a bad idea. Rusty, please, a... please tell me yeah. you've got the, the foghorn. Oh, I, I don't, but I will. Yeah. I don't. Well, next episode featuring whatever that sound is called, foghorns, the, the big club sound. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, just for you, mate. Just Jeez. for you. But no, we're not going to turn into a, like a FM type, uh, whiz bang type show. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, we just we're getting excited tonight. Um, we will get on to the PRS shortly. I just uh, not not quite yet. Um, but uh, we had a question. We're talking about Patreon supporters. That's how we got onto this uh, this topic. We had a question from a new Patreon supporter. Actually, our newest Patreon supporter, Matty. Uh, he has started episode one three weeks ago and he's up to 91. Clearly he spends a lot of time in the car or doing something because that that's 30 episodes a week. That's commitment. Oh, Maddie, what are you doing? Don't, that's unsustainable. Move on. <laughs> but appreciate you being a Patreon supporter. Uh, has two questions that I'd like your points of view on. Number one, rifle weight. The general consensus is that five and a half to six kilos is up there by Australian standards. It's interesting to know. But every American you've spoken to is quoting 
rigs in the 18 to 20 pound range, which is the 8.2 to 9 kilo range. Uh, even Paul Reed said he had to remove weights from his PRS rifle to get under the 22 pound 10k limit for the long range cash prize shoot. So what would his normal operating weight be? 11, 12, 13 kilos? Crikey. That's what he says. Uh, so we'll leave it at that for the moment. There's a second question there. We'll come to that. Um, what are you guys running for your weights for your prs type, compi-type guns? Because the general consensus of a 5.5 to 6 kilo rifle is not something I'm super familiar with because most of mine weigh more than that. Mine would be in the 20-pound range. It's up there 8, 9 kilos. Yeah. Um, scope is, you know, the Gen 2 Razors. They are kilo-ish. Yep. Pretty, pretty weighty. Yep. Um, then running a heavy varmint barrel. Yep. That is quite weighty, yes. to say yep. the least. Uh, I've got that about 26-ish inches at the moment. And okay. then the action's got a reasonable chunk to it. And, yep. you know, aluminium chassis as well. So it's, it is a heavy rig. Um, yep. Not very much fun to shoot for a hand, I must admit. But <laughs> off a barricade <laughs> Who would or ever have to do somewhere that? stable, it is yep. sensational. Mm-hmm. Okay. Andy, do you know what yours? Oh, I'm just trying to look it up at the moment. Um, obviously, I'm running the factory TAC A1. Um, I can't seem to. Oh, here we go. 5.1 kilos. And then just bare gun. Bare, bare gun. So, yeah, plus plus the scope and the mount and. Firepod um, and. Yeah, the bits and pieces on there. So, probably up around the six, six and a bit. Okay. Yeah. Would you would you make it heavier? Um. I don't think I would. I like the fact that I can move it around a bit quicker okay. um, and handle it with one hand or one arm easily. Yeah. I've got to then grab a, you know, a bag or a support and manipulate the rifle with one arm. Yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think you having having a larger muzzle brake on the end obviously helps. If you didn't have a good working muzzle brake, you'd probably want a heavier rifle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had a bit of a play with one of those TAC A1s in New Zealand as well as um, on the weekend, and I found them... You sound so disappointed. <laughs> no, they're, they're <laughs> ridiculously accurate rifle, which is yeah. really annoying because you can buy them off the shelf and you don't have to do anything and they just And work. they work. They and that's really disappointing to someone who spent so much time and effort trying to get a gun <laughs> that should work that doesn't really want to work to work. Um, but I found them to be a little back heavy. Mm, um, I, I would have thought that if you sort of had maybe up the profile a fraction mm. on the – well, actually, when you put a suppressor on the end, it was sensational because that balanced yeah, it out okay. nicely. Um, but that's not really an option here in Australia for most people. Yeah, but they weren't they weren't necessarily designed for a market, so perhaps that's yeah, part, I of, mean, part of the Yeah, I mean, the one that was design. used in New Zealand um, had a – was the, the AMG on it and uh, one of the locally made suppressors, and that was – yeah, that – Balanced very, very nicely. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm struggling with that. I've, I've tried a couple of bags and just resting it on a barricade and I've found I've had to make some sort of little strap that goes over the front, the foregrip to yep, try and – Because it just wants to drop at the yeah, back. Yeah, yeah that's just to sort of hold the front end down. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think my rifle is probably probably in the 20-plus pounds. So it would be would be weighted fairly, uh, fairly heavy. It's got a pretty – Pretty big fat barrel on it. Uh, the, the new one that I'll eventually uh, build, there may be some changes on that, which one day we'll get into, but anyway, we'll talk about that in time. The 
that will also have uh, some weight options in it and probably some adjustable weight options. Um, which certainly is a big trend we saw. If you've seen any of our videos from SHOT, uh, for some reason we did a stack of videos with uh, action or chassis manufacturers and, and not, not a whole lot else. <laughs> but, yeah, there certainly is a big trend into adjustable weight systems and being able to put weights on and, and moving them from front to back or whatever it may be. And, yeah, heavier is, is seeming to, to be the way. It kind of makes sense, though, the adjustable weights, because mm. if you're, uh, you know, if you look at the Precision Rifle products, the Bullpup, if you've ever shot one of those freehand, it's, it's so bloody nicely because that yeah, weight right. is so much back close to your shoulder, the centre okay. of gravity is closer in between your supports, and it's quite a lot nicer to shoot freehand. And that's where your Tac A1 will <coughs> shoot nicer freehand mm. than perhaps, say, mine does, which is more centrally balanced, if anything, muzzle heavy. Yeah. It kind of shooting freehand sucks with that because okay. it's so much weight out further. So if you had the ability to move that weight around in the rifle, it's yeah, it's definitely an advantage. Yeah, and it's certainly there is uh, there is a, a not a kickback. There's there's a trend perhaps that I'm seeing anyway, and, and not, not taking all of it into account. But there's a bit of a trend where more and more of the stages, the course of fire, are heading back towards the the movement stuff and and. Shooting a bit of freehand, there was a lot more freehand and and unsupported stuff at Mildura than there has been at sort of PRS matches before, uh, and that stuff is becoming more uh, tested, and I think that's because of of there's been this real sort of uh, shift towards heavy guns, and because you know you put a heavy gun somewhere, it just stays wherever you put it. It's just it. it Gets really stable really quickly. Put a big muzzle brake on it. Shooting a six mil. <laughs> yeah, it's not a lot. Not a lot going <laughs> not much back. Much moves. That's right. And and so I think that the you know the the counteracting effect is that that match directors may and and certainly from what I see are moving towards you know well you got to move your gun here and then move your gun here and then move your gun here and and maybe a bit more unsupported to offset that. Yeah, you, you, rather than putting equipment restrictions, because PRS doesn't like equipment restrictions, it, it likes to leave it open, um, which is wonderful, but there's a reason most other sports have you know, some sort of equipment restriction on weight and bits and pieces, is to, to even that playing field. And so, you know, the way you even it in PRS is your match directors get more creative one way or the other. And so certainly to see that uh, happen a little bit more, um, both here and in the US, uh, is certainly... Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I don't know if we've actually answered the question at all. What was the What was the question? Um, what What sort of weights you run? Yeah, um, she didn't really ask a question. She just said that there was, you know, it was heavier in the US. Um, yeah, it's true, and and there's reasons as to why. And the big thing is, as I'm sure we've alluded to, but is real common out there is PRS is is very much a recall management game for a lot of it. So the heavier gun, the the more recall you manage. And so, um, yeah, that's why you see the weights. But, but as as stages get more movement in them, that's the the, ba- the balance. Um, and yeah, you know, you're not you're not running, you know, okay with your gun, not yet, anyway, suckers. Um, no, no, you're not running okay with your gun. And so, um, you you don't have to worry about like the transition weight, but it is you know weight throughout the movement of your uh, of your course, and that's where it's an unsupported stage can become quite challenging. Particularly if you've got a, a longish string of unsupported shots where you're actually having to hold mm. it up there for, you know. Yeah. You, you pick it up, hold it there for 10 seconds, that's fine. You hold yep. it there for a minute and you'll soon start complaining. 
Very true. So there's the other question there as well. Uh, come to terms with not removing copper from the bore, but surely there must be some element of crap removal. I'm not going to leave powder residue in the barrel. So is just a dry patch to go or what is the consensus on getting the visible carbon fouling out? Interested to hear your thoughts. Or well, maybe you're not. Um, Dutchie, any thoughts on cleaning? What do you do? Um, I'm going to guess you're a bit more traditional. I can't be cleaning most of the time, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Hence the restoration. So you are quite traditional. (laughs) Okay. Good. If it starts, uh, if accuracy goes real bad, (coughs) I guess. Yep. But it depends what you're shooting because that said. Rifles, generally. Oh, very clever. (laughs) Because if you shoot... That being said, I shoot a, ultra, a 300 Ultra Mag as well. Sure. And the cleaning process on that is different to high volume shooting where I so what's really the, what's don't the process on your, your run then? I spend a lot more time keeping it clean, keeping yep. the throat clean. You take copper out, do you? To a certain degree. Yep. But um, not. I don't remove all of it completely because mm-hmm. then it's just got to be laid back in there again to get it shooting. Uh, Consistently, so okay, but with high volume stuff like my 223 308, I you know clean it so it doesn't rust, and that's about it. Nice, Andy. What about you, mate? Where, where you stand on this uh, situation? Yeah, I guess when I first started shooting, I made sure that thing was spotless, yep, after every time, and it was just getting a bit pedantic and a bit full on. Um, so now after reading a few things, I've decided to go uh, with the, the strip back sort of method, I guess, where I might just run. Um, one patch of uh, solvent yep, and then a few dry or clean ones to just patch that out and then maybe one thing of oil, one patch of oil. And, yeah, that's pretty much just to get rid of the, the powder fouling. I'll, I'll try and leave the copper in there as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm also shooting quite regularly as well. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, for me to do a, a thorough clean all the time. It would, you're not worried about it rusting up because you're going to no. be using it again in – yeah, well, that's it. I mean, um, when was uh, Mildura? That was, what, a week ago? It no, feels like that. It's, it's nearly two. Two weeks, almost two weeks ago. I only just cleaned that on Sunday. Yep. So. Um, yeah, but yeah. had had you been able to make it out on the weekend. I wouldn't you, have cleaned it. Yeah, wouldn't yeah. have cleaned it because it would have been two weeks between shoots. Yep. Yeah. And okay. I, yeah, and just with the climate, I probably wouldn't have imagined much rust or anything building up at that point. Sure. And, and just for the listeners, what cartridge are you shooting? 6.5 crude. Yeah. Not six, not 7.6? I wish I could. Mm. <laughs> Don't well, we all? We're starting a petition, so I have. <laughs> and Brody, what about you on the cleaning front, mate? Uh, is this, uh, yeah, you're, you're pretty uh, switched on scientific engineering type bloke. Where does this all sit for you? Um, I felt guilty the other day. Okay. Um, I'd put 1,500 rounds through my competition gun without touching it or doing any cleaning at all. Yep. So I kind of unscrewed the muzzle brake and discovered there was quite a lot, a lot of carbon build up there and okay. cleaned that off. But that was about it, really. I and, and don't no more, clean my guns. No I, more guilt. No, no. I felt felt better after that because I'd done something. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I thought I did run a couple of patches through it just to see what it's like. Then I stuck a bore scope down it, and it was pretty well clean. Basically, there was nothing actually. Um, there's no significant carbon build up or copper so whether it's just the case of i've got a good barrel that doesn't want to foul um 
Yeah, I really just don't clean my guns. Um, I've got a dehumidifier in the safe and that sort of takes care of the corrosion side of things. So obviously you need the, the moisture to facilitate that. But yeah. yeah, we're in a dry climate as well, which helps. With, yeah, that's true. With muzzle brakes, what sort of process do you go through them? Because I don't clean mine. I just rely on the, that first shot that cleans it out. <laughs> uh, not so, so to probably clarify, it wasn't actually the muzzle brake itself that I cleaned. It was the crown. Yeah, um, okay. basically I, I had a yep. nasty ass ring of carbon, <laughs> um, building up around the barrel that I kind of felt guilty on because the gun had started to do weird things. Basically it was sort of doing a, a split group sort of right. thing. So it'd be, okay. um, yeah, right. I was, you know, I was just shot. about to ask, was there any noticeable, uh, change in accuracy? And you're saying that there was, and that's why you turned to Yeah, that's so. kind of why I looked at it, because it was starting to do weird things. Um, and it was a case of, like, it was doing a sort of split group where out of, say, I fired six shots, there would be two distinct groups, and but those groups would be, like, hole in hole. Yeah, okay. So it was something weird happening there. And resolved it? Or yeah, you haven't shot well. yet? No, no, pretty much fixed it. Okay. It, it come back in. So I don't really understand why it was doing that. And the other thing it could be is I typically weigh my projectiles and on that batch I sort of hadn't bothered. Um, so it potentially had a mix of different weight, slightly yeah. different weight projectiles causing it to. But. Sure. So for myself, I, I generally will clean out like the action uh, because I want the thing to run smooth. And, and I find that cleaning the action helps clean the muzzle brake, clean the crown. Um, is is part of what I do, um, but the the bore, yep, I'll happily go thousand, two thousand rounds without touching it if I don't need to. If ever, I'm sure it, it's been well documented on this podcast, my three hundred wind mag that hit fifteen hundred rounds and then uh, decided it would not hit any more targets at all ever uh, until I cleaned it. Um, but aside from that, generally my two sixties probably on eighteen hundred rounds. Without uh, the the bore, bore is probably cleaned on and off up until about maybe three or four hundred, and then after then it's been running since eighteen hundred. So, uh, seeing probably seeing about the same, and yeah, but cleaning the action, keeping the action clean, because I've had guns where the action, you know, you get stuff on the lugs or anything along those lines, and that'll that'll prevent you from locking up properly, that'll prevent you from cycling cleanly, uh, you get sand in your action, all that sort of stuff's no good. So I'll definitely look after that. I might run a patch through, you know, if there's sand in the action or sand around, you know, back when we were shooting a Kai Kai a lot, um, might run a patch th- through the barrel just to clear any of that stuff out, but um, the patch wouldn't have anything on it. Yeah, so and, and we all live in the same environment, uh, which is why well, we're easily in the room together. And so your you know your humidity is not high, and, and humidity uh, dehumidifier in the safe as well certainly uh, helps. Sometimes the humidity rises when I've got my rifle. It certainly does. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly does. Uh, doesn't don't always have to have your rifle with you. Actually, I've noticed. <laughs> but um, fair point. Fair point. I have desk in bags for that. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. The other thing uh, we need to uh, need to mention uh, that this episode is brought to you by Hornady 6.5 grain ELDs uh, from Projectile Warehouse, which are currently in stock. So you should go buy them all. Um, thanks to our sponsors that keep things r- running along, along with our Patreon supporters. 
Uh, speaking of 47 grain, oh, no, 147 grain 6.5s, um, PRS, which is what they're commonly used for. Andy, you shot your first PRH. PRH. That's different. That's close enough. Close enough. PRS match uh, two weeks ago at the Burris Cold Steel Open in Mildura. Yep, yep. How did you go, sir? Oh, I'll tell you what, wasn't expecting it. Um, I ended up taking out first place in production. Oh, yep. Pat, well done. Pat on the back there. <laughs> 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 Just listener's note, he gave himself the pat on the back there. Yep. <laughs> no, well done, Matt. That's that's really good. And and that actually, you were, do you remember what you were overall? Of course you do. Yeah, 11th. Yeah, yeah of course yeah. you do. You're not going to forget that, are you? Yeah. And I was, yeah. I was really annoyed the, uh, the, I zeroed. That you weren't 10th. Yeah, well, I could have been so easily. I oh, just, really? Yeah. What, what happened? I, I zeroed the only zeroed one stage. It was the KYL. Yep. Um, you and and most of the rest of the field. Yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> but I, I really shouldn't have. I think I just got a bit greedy. So, you and most of the rest of the field, actually. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I saw. I saw my last hit was on the left edge of a plate. Saw it swing. I was like, awesome. I'll make a good correction. That would be a good hit. <laughs> And then it just missed off right edge. And uh, so I don't, yeah, it's just like, Devo. Sounds like you didn't know your limits. <laughs> 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 quick button, button, <laughs> quick. Sorry, I'm not yeah. quick enough on the buttons yeah. tonight. It's a, um, it's a learning process that I'll never do again. <laughs> um, okay, cool, man. But yeah, no, overall I'm, I was really stoked. I mean, that was the only stage I zeroed. Yeah. Um, so all of the other stages I got some sort of points. Um, which I was pretty happy about. Um, I think down on Special Greg's stage on the second day, mm-hmm. um, he was obviously running through people really quickly. Yeah. Um, and I think that got to me a bit because there was the tripod stage where it was yep. two position with using a tripod. Didn't get a very good hit ratio there. Okay. Yep. 11 shots, three hits. Yep. I, I was just pumping them out. Have you? Have you? Um, <laughs> yeah. So you didn't take that moment, just slow things down. Yeah, and no, I was. Yeah, because yep. I know, I know. Uh, like the stage before was, um, it was the. the Is that the one you drop drop down? Yeah, three shoot? shots in nine seconds or something like that. Yep. Um, so I was still pumped and amped up from that, <laughs> and then I was first <laughs> go, up on the did you tripod. Go right on that one. Yeah, clean that one. Yep. So that so, stage, yeah, it was actually one we shot in the US, um, Butters and I, and you basically dropped down. a bit different, of course, but you dropped down behind the gun. You had nine seconds to fire off three rounds on three targets, hit to move, mm. and then you uh, you would you would have another 15 seconds off memory. Yeah, that about You that. would then yep. be able to prep your gun if you needed to, change, you know, load ammo or whatever it is, and then be back standing by the end of those 15 seconds to do it again mm. and do that three times. Those targets all at the same distance, or were they yeah, sort of literally next to each other? Yeah, uh, yep. three hundred meters. They were they were quite a big plate, and a two hundred thirty three mil. And it was surprising okay. how many people missed them. Yeah, but that's not a huge amount of time. And no, no, over the, those targets were used across a number of stages for the weekend. Yeah, okay. And I'm very mm. surprised how very surprised how many people missed them over the course of the weekend. But but yeah, you're right. It's not a lot of time. Um, in the US, we shot it at same distance. I think there were smaller plates, but we had ten seconds and four shots. Right. Yeah, right. And that was uh, that was a push. You're rattling them off pretty quick at that point. Particularly with a gun that we we were heavily jet lagged and guns mm. we didn't know, but. Um, yep, yep. I think Butters did all right on that stage. I think I reckon I struggled, but I was just generally struggling. Mm. Same as always in life. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, back to you, Andy. No, no, that's Tripod right. stage that you messed up. Yeah, royally. Yeah, so I was just pumped from the um, the stage before. 
Yeah, okay. just amped up, and I was first <laughs> on the first on the tripod stage. Yep, in my squad, and um, just hit it way too quick, mm. and uh, didn't didn't settle in, didn't slow it down, and just rattled off eleven rounds, and only hit three times. Was <laughs> was mum there, or there was a lack of mum, and that's why you weren't comfortable. <laughs> need, need more squad mums. Yeah, no, yeah. I needed mum. We, yeah. we don't we don't we don't squad mum at PRS at level events. I'm sorry, Dutchy, but um, Andy will get his mum there next time. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Tell you what, Is, should, are there should, rules should, against that? No, or, no, no. Well, Butters has his mum at every big competition, so I'm sure if uh, if Andy wants to bring his mum to all the competitions, he's yeah. uh, welcome to. Tell you what, she'd probably rock up too. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. All right. Very good. And let me ask you this, because I, I know this is uh, this is pretty common. Have you now got a list of things to work on? Oh, definitely. Yep. So tripods. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Bring your mum. Yep. <laughs> Top of the list. <laughs> um, <laughs> yourself. You should always work on yourself. Yeah. That's right. Um, <laughs> Dutchie's been doing that for a while. It's good. I think um, definitely just taking a step back and slowing things down. Okay. I learned from that stage. Yep. Um, and then more practice getting into position quickly or knowing what position I'm going to get into before yeah. I go. Bronte's nodding at this one. Yeah, that's what I think that was one of the Paul Reed interviews. He had his 10-second uh, drill, 11-second drill. 11-second drill for Paul. Yep. yep. And that was, you know, that is as good or as advice as you could get really. Yeah. Mm. And then, you know, that also couples with the whole you can't miss fast enough to win. That's it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, definitely. It's, yeah. it's certainly something I noticed, particularly this PRS, although it's not it's – not, Strange to me either, but um, you guys, guys who, particularly guys who are new, I mean, I'm sure it happens to all of them, but guys who are new walk away with a massive list of stuff that they work on. Well, mm. I say massive, but it doesn't need to be massive. I and mean, there's mm. lots you can work on, but you end up with, I, I don't know about your experience, you, you tell me, but a fairly core focus of, of some key things that you see across multiple stages that you go, if I worked on these three or four things, mm. I would have done better on these, like on a heap of stages. Yeah. So a, a lot of it for me was maybe um, body positional bags, so big pump pillow sort of thing. Um. <laughs> Dutchie's, Dutchie's just lost it in the corner. <laughs> so clearly taking something as a, a double meaning. All, no, all <laughs> I can think of is um, Trent from Punchy calling for his mum. <laughs> I don't. None of these buttons do Trent from Punchy, but I'm going to rectify that by next episode. <laughs> that that'll definitely be in there. Good. Anyway, now we uh, now we go back. Speaking of which, uh, Trent Trent uh, from well, Punch Bowls in Sydney, isn't it? It's close to. Yeah, close so, so Trent from Sydney from Punchy. Trent, bring your mum to the next match. My mum works pretty hard, eh? <laughs> Oh, we're going we're gonna to get downhill real quick if we start doing that. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to say the rest. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, now you were talking about uh, things that you're going to work on. So, yeah, unsupported positions uh, for myself because I've really never practiced that. Who would want to practice that? I don't to be eat, exactly. No one. That's, yeah. <laughs> no one does. That's why it's in the match because no one practices it. Yeah. Um, and then I need to invest in some sort of pump pillow positional bag um, and learning how to – work that. Yep. Um, and then just getting into the correct position first time instead of trying one position with maybe one knee up and or sitting on a foot and then going, no, nah, that's not going to work and then change. Yeah, okay. So um, they're probably I, – I, I was stoked with the rifle. That all worked fine. Um, I didn't really have any second guessing on my ammo or anything like that. Um, yeah, right. 
which oh, I was happy good. about. It's um, real good. Mm. Yeah, because I, I was tossing up or I didn't really know my velocity. I thought it was an extra 40 or 50 feet per second. And after speaking okay. to Nick, he was saying, oh, yeah, your barrel's probably sped up and all this sort of thing since okay. I last did a lot of load development. Yep. Um, and, yeah, so on my first stage I noticed I was hitting uh, – I dialed up, I was hitting low. So I thought, okay, well, my velocity hasn't really sped up to what I thought it was, so I brought it back a bit and okay. worked out for the rest of the rest yeah. of the time. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so if, really it's it's not not my rifle or anything. It's more me I've got to work on, just – yeah. My, my basic skills. Mm. Yeah. Ronnie, you've, you've shot a number of sort of larger matches and, and I know you haven't shot many matches for a little while, but um, can you relate to that? Is, do you walk away from your bigger matches with things that you identified to work on? Uh, absolutely. You've got – it's one of those things. It comes down to um, the important many but the critical few. And it's, it's really a really like, good way of putting it. That's like that's, that's you practice that. Yeah. Oh, I, Not his first time. <laughs> <about>. <laughs> well, that's one of the critical few that I get right <laughs> out of the important many. Yeah, good. Um, I like that. Yeah, I mean, as, as you sort of highlighted, there's lots of areas that you go. Should I could have done that better? If I had my time again, I would have went straight into that position or something like that. Yeah. But it, if you really understand. We had a, we had a coughing fit, coughing break there, but uh, Bronnie was saying something about the critical minimal mass yeah, something yeah. in the important oh, few, sure we'll and, and he got really into it, and and then coughed, and, and we all lost, we we all all lost track. Lost track. Uh, yeah, That's what happens as you get older. The, um, the points where you could easily pick up on, and then you had the critical ones where they were like, if you just took away two or three. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's just essentially that um, bang for buck. You know, if you. Tripod shooting is something that is in its own little special niche, to be honest. It's it's one thing that I'm really bad at, but there are some guys that are absolutely sensational at it, mm. and the best way to get good at it is to is to practice it. It is a kind of – and the same with offhand shooting. Um, one of the things that I've noticed in particular in the comps that I've seen here in Australia is very few people will make use of slings to mm. their sort of full mm-hmm. – Ability because we kind of reliant on bags like your game changer or your tactical ladder or whatever you want to mm-hmm. use on the day, the fortune cookies. And it's it's one of those things that's probably going back to the basics in some of those areas where you can get your most value of return for that effort. Yeah, the unsupported one, I definitely didn't use a sling. And uh, after watching like Crispy and a few of the other blokes who used them, I was yep. like, yeah, yep, should have done that. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, you get that same quite often where you look at something and you go, well, if only I would have thought of doing that at the, you know, what you walk away from the stage and going, ah, what an idiot. Why didn't I think <laughs> yeah, of doing that? Yep. <laughs> or, or better yet, you see somebody else do it and go, yeah, shit, really should have done it like that. <laughs> yeah, yep. And when you watch, and that's probably one of the good things about going to those matches. You got, got your lucky Crispy and Lucas and some of those guys that are, yeah. are bloody good shooters. There's, mm-hmm. there's no mm-hmm. other way of putting it there. They, put a hell of a lot of time and effort into it so you really can't take it away on their dedication. It's mm. top notch, absolutely. Mm. But they're also just bloody good at it too. And, and they're also seasoned and I think they, they, that season part helps them make the right decisions and good decisions. And I think, you know, one of the things that I certainly want to put across and, uh, you know, with, with the next match in mind and then the rest of the season coming up and, and the club matches and all that sort of gear that – a lot of guys sit on the fringe uh, of of shooting matches like this and think, um, oh, you know, I'll just I'll keep practicing until I'm good enough and keep, you know. Um, 
I think, and, and I'm biased, but I, I, I reckon I've also got a fair bit of backup, um, that one of the best ways to to get into this and to learn about it is to go and shoot a match. Uh, because you, you end up, we talked about having that list, and yeah, you can refine your list and get your more, minor details, but you get that list from shooting matches. And I spoke to a, to one of the shooters at uh, Mildura, um, who was a very accomplished shooter in other disciplines. And they were saying that they thought they were a bit more prepared than they were. And it brought them to reality to say, actually, you know, I did a lot of prep for it, but I really probably should have just shot it last year when I was watching mm. it and I came out and helped and just actually shot it last year and got all this. I probably would have been in the same position where I was now mm. uh, by just getting into it, getting shooting, meeting these people, watching you know the guys who are at the, the, the top point, Crispy and Ash and and Jim and yeah. and number of these guys uh, who you know shoot exceptionally, well. and the, the list is actually growing and growing, including Andy now. Yeah. Well done. Um, but watching these guys who have done it um, several times and and going oh. Right, because you learn so much faster, mm. like seeing it exampled in the ideal way as opposed to um, just in your paddock trying, you know, as best you can, which is which is a good way to do it. But um, if you go back with that knowledge to your paddock and start playing playing around or at your home club or whatever it is, you, you would have been you would have been broadened significantly. Mm. I mean, I've watched so many YouTube videos on, you know, how to, how to attack this barricade, how to, how to yeah. do this and that, and then, um, you know, I get to the range there and it's kind of completely all different. And then I see how other people are doing it and I go, actually, that's probably a bit better than mm. how I've been practicing. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it's a case of, um, you know, people who are taller, shorter, whatever else, yep. um, the way that they will, will suit them to attack a, a barricade will be, will be different. I mean, the match from New Zealand was – had this weird stage where you had to climb inside essentially like this A-frame arrangement. And for me, I found it ridiculously easy to get stable because all I did is I basically just leant back, I jammed myself in there, yep. pushed, jammed the gun into the front part of the A-frame and pushed my back against the back part of the A-frame. Yep. And it was as solid as anything. Yeah, right. Um, I, no worries at all. Some of the other guys I was shooting with, kind of didn't fit in the A-frame full stop because they were <laughs> six foot something. Um, so for them it just kind of did not work because they just didn't have mm. enough space to be able to actually wedge themselves into that position. Yep. So, you know, what worked for me wasn't going to work for them just purely because it just because of their makeup. Mm. Yep. Um, whereas one of the other guys I shot with, I kind of said, I just pushed back into it and he's like, oh, yeah, man, that worked. That, that was real easy. That made life a lot easier. So One of the other things that actually I noticed talked about a little bit of the last PRS and, and since, and Dutch, you'll probably be able to um, bring in on this one, but guys are saying that they, you know, they've been shooting matches for a couple of years now, uh, on and off of club matches, PRS matches and all sorts of stuff, and they've gotten a chance to go back out hunting. And they have seen their, uh, their hunting improve significantly because they're not thinking about getting the gun into position. All the things that you, you know, you, when you're spotlighting or like you're about to put it out and you're trying to get a nice comfortable position, all that stuff is now um, assumed or natural, natural. Um, you know, and, and I'm trying to or, think who. Or, yeah, you, well, or you know how to put up or deal with a shitty position. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Because <laughs> uh, I think I was speaking to Tim uh, from our club, you guys oh, yep, would know, yep. and Tim, and he uh, he was saying now, like when he goes out shooting, he doesn't put the, the rest on the side of the car or anything. He just puts a game changer on the uh, on the window and 
away he goes. That's his uh, that's his rest now, and, and it's so comfortable for him because he's been shooting so much with that sort of scenario. Yeah, I I went spotlighting probably a couple of months ago and run with a game changer because my bipod wasn't long enough to reach the roof, and you know <laughs> it was kind of one of those things that we're using a vehicle I wasn't familiar with. Yeah. So on surface you would think, oh, well, this is a disaster. This isn't going to work for me. Bring the game changer out, and it was bloody perfect. Yeah. It just sat there, and it was solid as anything. It was. It worked better than a bipod in a lot of situations. Dutch, have you ever used a game changer before? I don't know Back. what you're talking about. No. I was so, just about to ask what that was. Let me bring it up for you because I'm sure many of our audience will know what it is. I, I pre- prefer to just get out of the vehicle and go and chase stuff but um, <laughs> on foot. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when you're out spotlighting, it's not, so that's not a possibility. So... Um, <laughs> So this is uh, what we're talking about, and and I'm gonna I was I was actually just bringing it up because I was gonna <clears throat> suggest to you that in uh, next time you go out, let me know because I'm gonna give you one of these to play with. Okay. So this is a uh, game changer. It's like a wedging bag. It sort of sits on on something like an arm of chair, or whether it's on a fence of some sort, or you know, in a vehicle, and it gives you like a flat platform uh, along along here to be able to rest your gun on. What does that look like? It looks like a handy piece of equipment, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, Some or, or do you want me to describe it? Because it no, looks no, like no, an no, upside-down so uh, uh, rear bag yeah. enlarged and then draped over an obstacle. Yeah. But you don't want my description. I just I want, it, I want your thoughts, Matt. I want, I want what's going on. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lend you one of these for the next time you go out, whenever that may be. And uh, I'm he- keen to hear your take on how it's how it's worked for you, if it's worked for you. And it's also bright pink, so you won't lose it at night. That is a bonus. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been out spotlighting and I actually um, put it straight on top of a, like a star dropper. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. Wasn't one of them, but a similar story. I did that with my van as well. Didn't go well. Anyway, another uh, story. I hear it adjusted the tolerances. <laughs> 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 Yes, uh, the star dropper adjusted the tolerances of my sump. Is that what happened? Yeah, yep. yeah, quite significantly adjusted them. Mm. Anyway, slightly beyond the manufacturer's recommendations <laughs> from all reports. It, it was out of spec, <laughs> so it was out of spec. <laughs> Hence the reason I was at a high car place today. Mm. Um, Sorry, yeah, Eddie. Like yourself out hunting on straight on top of a star picket, um, you could turn it upside down and place the flat part on like a a, a log lying on the ground, and then yep. you have got a V to wedge the. Wedge the forehand in. Yeah, I, I reckon it's great for hunting. Yeah. I, I use mine for long range shooting as well. Like I'll yep. use it as a rear bag basically. So turn it, flick it upside gotcha. down, use it as a rear bag and it's, it's fantastic for that. Mm. The one thing I would say with them, they do have quite a heavy feel. So if yep. you are walking around carrying it, you kind of get sick of carrying it pretty soon. Mm. And there's there's all sorts of variations on these things. And so the Fortune Cookies, another one from WeBad who were on the show last episode. Uh, the one that I deal with mostly is the uh, Tactical Udder from Bison Tactical, uh, which more will be coming in shortly. But they, they're like a four-way deal. So they've got, you know, the the four the four teats, I guess, that uh, you can amuse yourself between stages on. Um, but that's a – is, is <laughs> Andy, it's not a visual medium, mate. We can't see you squeezing your nipples. No, on, this uh, is just for you guys. Oh, it's just for us. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, I mentioned it. Is, is <laughs> there right. a smaller option? Is that what the – Funny you mention Fortune that. Fortune cookie is is about because the last uh, hunting trip I was out on, yeah. um, I pursued a uh, some game for probably a kilometre over two hills, and I don't really want to be lugging around several. Like, I don't know what these things weigh, but that, what nearly two kilos or so, roughly. 
Yeah, probably. Uh, so there's there's a thing called the pint size game changer, and then there's the mini fortune cookie. So there is this whole. Raft I ended of- up using a very very dehydrated tree as a support, and something like the game changer. If it was smaller, yeah. would have been ideal. Yeah, would have been ideal. But um, I think Rusty uh, stocks some stuff which light, is lightweight. Uh, yeah, but not not directly re- reference to this. Um, but that's uh, yeah, that one there uh, is a smaller one. That is a smaller one. See, it's yeah. in hand. This is the pint size or the yeah, it's a pint size game changer. So anyway, there's there's all sorts of options. So uh, these uh, how do we get onto this? I don't remember. But you know, guys using them for hunting and and so from uh, from the PRS, certainly Mildura for for some reason we talked about it with a number of guys that they're finding that they're they're hunting and they're spotlighting, which is the reason they got into PRS was to develop those skills. Those things are actually happening. Um, which is uh, which is very encouraging to hear. Very encouraging. Would, uh, would you see uh, people using one of those instead of a bipod, like if they're attached yeah. To, yeah. to the front of the forend? Yeah. So what you may or may not have seen on some of these photos that are we've brought up here is that actually some of them will have straps on them. Different variants will have straps on there, and you can actually strap it onto the gun, and it's it's there permanently. And so, yeah, guys will turf their bipod for it, or, you know, there might be a stage, you know, back into the PRS world, there might be a stage that says you can only use one bag, no bipod, or something like that. And in that instance, guys will generally run run something, you know, a barricade bag of some description. They do look like a good bit of kit. Mm, yeah. Very handy, the ones with the strap, by the look of it. Yeah, I've, I've never owned one with the strap because – too poor for well, that. But. That's why they made gaffer. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> I just use magnets or something. Anyway, so that's magnets uh, or something. Yeah, yep. What's or something? Gaffer. Uh, yeah, gaffer. Yeah, gaffer. I just didn't want to admit you're right. That and cable ties. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's um. That how have we got into that again? <laughs> but uh, game changer bags, uh, hunting, PRS, that sort mm. of stuff. Well, we've got a. Uh, we, we probably will finish this episode off with uh, saying that there is a next PRS match and our club is hosting it, um, which is the Castro Monado Meltdown on the 10th to 12th of May. And so, uh, guys, get along if you want to improve your hunting. If you want to, uh, if you are sitting there uh, on the sideline, Andy, I'm going to ask you for, a, for a, a plug on this one, but if you're sitting there and you're thinking and you've been eyeing off the PRS but you feel you're not quite ready... Andy, what, what what would you suggest they do? Well, definitely get out there. Yeah, um, at least come. Because you get ha- to meet Andy Little in the in the flesh, which is probably most of the benefit. Yeah, I'll either be uh, walking around being a, a mum helicopter. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, oh and, and, yeah. Bronte, we're going to have to make him have some wings or something <laughs> like that. A rotor. I'm just thinking the spinny hat. Oh, <laughs> perfect. Andy will be wearing no, the no. spinny hat. Or, or e- either. Either sitting behind a spotting scope or he'll, I'll be helping out around the place. Doing yep. something. Yep. Yeah. Um, but definitely come out, have a suss, have a, have a look, talk to people, find out um, what you do and you don't need because I think a lot of the time you can overcomplicate it and really all you need is um, a gun and ammo. Yep. And that's, yeah. Oh, and a scope. Bipod will help. Yep. Scope. Scope. Rings. Look at us <laughs> overcomplicating things. <laughs> yeah, this just got complicated. <laughs> Gun, scope, ammo, Next rings. you'll be saying you need to know what you've got to do with them. No, no. <laughs> I mean, have seen some of the way these guys shoot? <laughs> Bronte's a uh, great. <laughs> is, that, is that competition open for people in South Australia or is that the national competition? Uh, well, it's open to anyone uh, who has a firearms licence and, uh, and, and a gun that will half work. Um, yeah, 
absolutely. But I mean, obviously, it's a bit easier to get to in South Australia. So this is the option for the the local guys to get along to it. Um, yeah, so check it out. It should be good fun. Uh, we will. Most of us will be there. Um, we might even do some podcast related thing from it. Maybe cool. depends. Who knows? It's uh, it's always a busy weekend. <laughs> Definitely be having a couple of beers. I can tell you that much. If you want to have a beer, come to the PRS. That's uh, that's basically my sales pitch. I get confused with things very easily. And is the Friday still a uh, practice day, or what's the? Yep, Fridays yep. always practice. Yep. And, cool. uh, Saturday, Sundays, the comp. It will be uh, good fun. Anyway, so uh, that's Kestrel Minato meltdown. That's the next one on the sea se- uh, for the season. And uh, yeah, we had a good time up in Mildura. Anyway, I reckon, gentlemen, uh, it's been good fun. We've had a couple of beers. We've uh, ate, uh, ate, we've eaten, which is challenging tonight. We've eaten some grain waves and uh, we've talked about guns. So not not a terrible night, really. Gents, thanks for coming out. Any last closing words for this evening? Don't don't shake your head. Doesn't work on podcasts. Uh, <laughs> That's you. I was got, about to do my got, best Trent impersonation, but I was self-censored. Go on, go no, on. I've self-censored. No, we can always put some beeps in it. I can't remember what he says, to be honest. He, says some, yeah, he okay. throws a lot of oatmeal. I remember that. <laughs> Did you have some oatmeal you wanted to throw? Yeah, but I didn't bring it. <sighs> Next time. See, I'm that's prepared. See, this is... No, that's the wrong one. <laughs> it's, like going to the, it's like going to the PRS. You learn from, <laughs> from going, and then you're like, Next time, I'll bring the oatmeal, and they're going to cop it. So you'll come back next podcast with a list. No, nah, it's just oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Can't can't blame me for that. All right. Wonderful. Well, gentlemen, good fun. We shall uh, wrap it up there. And uh, thanks to our listeners for uh, tuning in again. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Impact Dynamics.